Who's hungry for the word today? If you've got your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to read from verses 24 through 27. And then we're going to let loose. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. Things like this are, you know, for a lot of people are kind of tough sayings, difficult things that we read and that we hear Jesus say that kind of cause us to take a step back and have to really, you know, meditate and pray and not necessarily always easy for us to embrace right off the bat. We have to lose our life to gain it. We have to deny ourselves in order to follow Christ. For many people, and I know this from experience, in talking to and, and meeting with so many people over the years that are making decisions for God or perhaps on the fence and not sure, you know, I see a lot of times where people are in this place where they are being drawn, they're being led, they're, they feel like God's pulling at their heart, you know, they know that they need to do something because they're not satisfied in their soul, they're lacking something that just the world cannot fulfill for them. There's an eternity in the, God has put eternity in the heart of man, the Bible says. And so there's always this longing in our spirit for something that only God can actually satisfy and offer us. But a lot of times people are in this place where they're just kind of like holding back. They're just kind of, you know, I, I know I should, I know I need to, but I'm just not, I'm just not ready yet. I'm just not there yet. And I, I get that. I understand that, but I just want to caution you that if you let this thing of I'm ready and now I'm prepared and now it's time to be your qualification for when you sell out for Christ the enemy can use that against you he can use that and turn that into a, 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 a sort of a fantasy that somewhere along the line all of a sudden things are going to perfectly align and now you're going to be in a place where it's going to be convenient to give your life to Christ can I tell you something the whole idea of surrendering your life to gain it is not convenient at all to the flesh. There will never be a moment where your emotions and your mind and your thoughts are going to tell you, now the stars are aligned and it's a perfect opportunity for me to lay my life down and surrender everything and follow Jesus. It's just not going to happen that way. The whole idea of surrendering is an act that is painful for the flesh to begin with. You understand that? That's why Jesus is saying, listen, those who want to follow me are going to have to deny themselves. To deny means to reject, to turn away from, and to turn towards something else entirely. In order to follow Christ with your whole life the way he's calling you to, it means you're going to have to abandon, reject, and put to death any ties that you would have to living for the world and the systems of this world that it tries to offer and satisfy you with. 
And a lot of times people think, well, I'm just going to, I'm giving up my life. You know, I'm surrendering. I'm just, I'm laying it all down. And it, I'm just, I'm not going to be happy anymore. And a lot of times there's this reluctance. Like somehow following Christ for them means they're stepping into something very like miserable and unhappy and all of a sudden they're going to be in this state that they just don't want to get to until they're ready someday. But listen, it's a lie of the enemy that he tries to give to those who are in the valley of decision to think that if you follow Christ, it's going to ruin your life forever. It's going to make you miserable. You're not going to be happy. You need to be able to hold on to all of these pleasures and these things that you really enjoy that are here apart from the world. You don't want to give that up, at least not yet. Let's just hang on a little bit longer and enjoy these things until you're ready to maybe do that one day. It's a deception of the enemy because the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, the very moment we surrender and give up our life according to the world, the tie to the world, is the very moment that we lay hold of something greater. In order to lay hold of something new and greater, many times we have to let go of something that we're already holding on to. And Jesus is addressing this issue. He's, he's dealing with this very real situation that people were going through then and that people are going through now. It's that they're tied, they're entrenched, and they're attached to so many of the things of the world that it's kind of entangling them and holding them and could potentially keep them from abandoning those things and following Jesus. Because you don't follow Jesus a little bit and hang on the rest of the way with what the world has people attached to. To lose your life means to sever, to put to death. It means to abandon all other options except the one that you're pursuing. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you can't have it both ways. What did he say? He said, a man cannot serve two masters. You are either for me or you are against me. He drew a line in the sand. In the book of Revelation, he condemns the lukewarm church for riding the fence. He's saying, listen, you can't have it both ways. You can either serve the world or you can serve me. It's one or the other, and it's time to make a decision because if you stay entangled in the world, you will never be able to sell out and fully surrender and serve me the way that I'm calling you to. And, and there has to be this moment that we come to. I remember in my own life where I reached that point where it's like, I've sold out, man. Give me Jesus and give me nothing else. If the world be against me, then Jesus be for me. I'll take Jesus every single day. When I knew that that was the direction I was headed, it wasn't always easy, but it's almost like it severed any of the attachment to this world, and it, it severed the ability for the world to be able to satisfy me the way that it once did, and it was only temporal, and it was, uh, it was deceptive, and I could see that for what it was, and only Christ was the one that would be able to satisfy me from that point on. And I knew from that moment, like, this is it. It's Jesus or nothing, man. It's only for him. There is no other way. And so he says these things like, give me, surrender your life, lose your life, and then you'll gain it. Because he, can I remind you, he loves us. He's not inviting you into something that is bad for you. He's not asking you to follow him on a journey 
that is going to be unsatisfying and unfulfilling. He's actually inviting you into the greatest kind of joy and fulfillment that you could ever know. Because the world simply could never satisfy and never offer the kind of joy and fulfillment that can only be found in Christ. I remember thinking, man, I did so many drugs and so many crazy things in my life. I'm telling you, I did almost all of that. And for about a 10-year period, and I remember when I found Jesus and I got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, I remember thinking, I thought I knew what joy was. I thought I knew what fulfillment was. I had no idea how good that things could actually be. Once you taste the real thing, it puts to death all of the phonies and fake options and everything else that once temporally satisfied us in our life. What we need is a taste of the real thing. We need a taste of something authentic. And in order to do that, we have to sever and separate that which is holding us to the world in order to step into something that's greater and then taste the fullness and the fulfillment of what that brings. And you'll never look at the old way the same again. It'll never satisfy you the, one, the way that it once did. I love it when people come to Christ and they start following Him and they were involved in addiction or sin or all these things and they say, you know, I, I mean, I, I used again, or I did this again, but man, it's just, it's different now. I feel like dirty now. I feel like I don't, it doesn't make me feel the same way. I don't even like it the way that I used to. And I say, I know, because you tasted the real thing, and now when you go to the counterfeit, it doesn't satisfy you the way it once did, because your eyes, have been, the veil has been torn down, and you see for what it is now. But you know, so many times, people want to come to Christ casually I'm just gonna kind of ease my way in I'm just gonna dip my toe wait not quite. let's warm it up a little bit I'm not quite ready they want to just kind of ease their way in you know in business there is a, a, a time where you come to where sometimes you would hire or bring in somebody that's called a consultant and a consultant will consult it's deep I know it's very deep but it will consult and they'll advise, and they'll give recommendations, and here's kind of what I see, here's some observations. And whenever the consultant is done, consulting, then you can decide how you move forward. You know what, I think we like that, we'll take a little bit of this, we'll take a little bit of that, and, and you can choose what you take and what you leave, what you keep and what you don't. And, and you know, that's, that's the whole job. But listen, <laughs> there's a big difference in Jesus being a consultant in your life or being the CEO of your life. He's either in charge or he's not. And he either says what goes all the time, all the way, or he doesn't have a place of lordship and authority in your life the way that he's supposed to. It's sell out or nothing. That's the way Jesus calls us in. That's the life he calls us to. We're gonna live for God and we're gonna live fully. There is no in-between. There is no gray area. There is no straddling the fence. Straddling the fence is bad anyway. Like that never ends well ever, you know, ever. I'm just saying. Oh. When he says that what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Listen to this. The word world in the Greek 
is a word called cosmos. Cosmos. And it means <clears throat> the systems and the structure and the inhabitants, the ordinances of that system. Okay? Now, you've heard me speak about this before, but let me just remind you that there is a kingdom that's the world's kingdom, the world's system and the world's structure. It is influenced by the, power, by the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, who is at work in the sons of disobedience. He, he, he rules and oversees this kingdom of the world. There is another kingdom, a kingdom that's a far greater kingdom, a more powerful kingdom that came, the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said when he was here and on the earth, he said, the kingdom of heaven is near. I've brought the kingdom of heaven. And so he invaded earth's kingdom with a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and he subdued the kingdom of the world and put it on its end and gave us authority to live according to that heavenly kingdom and to break free from the bondages of living according to the kingdom of this world. Whenever empires would conquer any people group, any places, they would make them renounce their subserviency and their loyalty to the kingdom that they were once serving and announce their new loyalty to the conquering kingdom. When Jesus came and he conquered death, he unleashed the kingdom of heaven and he's calling you and he's calling me to renounce entirely our prior affiliation before we knew Christ to any loyalty or tied to the kingdom of this world and to fully announce our loyalty and our servanthood to the kingdom of heaven and what God has called us into so that we can live according to those laws and those principles and not according to the limitations of the world and the deception that that will bring us to lead us astray of the path that God has for us he's called us into something greater the whole idea of laying down our life is to lay hold of something greater that's the whole point there's something better beyond there's something more there's something greater and in order to rise into it and step into it you have to fully separate and sever that which you were previously tied to and that word cosmos listen to this this is interesting it's where we get the English word cosmetic, cosmetic, which is a facade, a decoration, an appearance on the outside that is misleading to what's actually on the inside. That's the world. That's how he describes the system of the world. Sure, it'll pull at you, it'll tempt you, It'll seem intriguing, satisfying, pleasuring. It, that's Satan's nature. Is he's, the, he's the great liar and the deceiver. He is deceiving and manipulating and making things appear as they're one thing when they're really another. The wages of sin is death. The only thing that that path leads to is destruction, heartache, and things that are away from the path that God has called us into. And he says, look, you're going to live for me. I've got something greater for you to lay hold of. But the enemy will constantly try to present these things in the world and say, here, this is better for you. Here, these things will bring you pleasure. These things will satisfy you. And try to tempt you into choosing the things of this world instead of choosing the path and the things that God has for you. And we see this and we hear this and we think, of course, yes. It makes sense. But in a moment in the trenches, when we're out there 
in the world going day to day and the enemy is baiting us and he's coming at us and he's trying to sway us it's in those moments folks that we must have a strong spirit a strong spirit Paul even said in Ephesians chapter 4 he said I pray to God that he would strengthen you by might through his spirit in your inner man he said I pray that your spirit gets strong that you grow in faith that you grow in the things of God so that you can withstand the tactics and the things that the enemy would bring against you. When people are caught up living according to the world, choosing the world's offerings instead of God's, many times, can I just suggest to you that it's because they're weak in their spirit. Their flesh is actually the stronger leading authority in their life as opposed to them living by being led by the spirit of god that's in them the bible even says that it says in the book of galatians chapter 5 listen it says that the the flesh and the spirit are always at war they are contrary to one another they are never in agreement they are never on the same page they always want something different. We are a spirit inside of a body. That's the flesh. So we are all in the same boat. Everybody look at the neighbor and say, we're all in the same boat. Right? Meaning we are a spirit inside of a body and the flesh is tempting and pulling at us and trying to lead us in our decision making. That's why he says, don't walk according to the flesh walk according to the spirit you see for some people the flesh is actually the stronger influence in their life than the spirit but what god is saying we need to be is we need to be led by the spirit and the spirit in us needs to be stronger so that it can subdue the flesh put the flesh on its end silence it quiet it when it's tempting us and coming at us so that the spirit of god in us is actually the one that continues to have its way and lead the direction and call the shots listen there's great strength and great maturity in your spirit to be found and as we grow in the lord and we resist the flesh we continue to subdue the flesh and sever ourselves from that to lay hold of that which God is leading us into our spirits will go stronger our faith will build and grow and we will continue to have more and more of a place of authority over the enemy and the way we respond to the things that keep coming at us in our lives I'll just tell you things that that tempted me things that I fell into traps whenever I was a, a new Christian things that he would entice me with, with things of the eyes and stuff like that, they don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. But that had to happen, that was a pro- I had to grow in that. I had to learn how to subdue that. The Bible says that when the devil comes, submit, give yourself to God, submit to him, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We are always in a fight, folks. Like, he's always going to try to pull us back to this whole thing of the world that is away from the things that God would have for us. Listen to this. In the book of Genesis, you remember Cain and Abel, right? Couple people, good. All right. It's a pretty popular story, actually. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. God speaks to Cain. He was the bad brother, right? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, listen to this language. 
sin lies at the door and its desire is for you but you should rule over it wow you see the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak remember when jesus said that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak the spirit of god in us in our it once once we've been one once our heart's been captured by jesus we want what he wants for us but we still battle this flesh that is always trying to lead us in another direction it's it's contrary the key that we come to in our lives is that we live according to the spirit so that the spirit actually rules the flesh and the flesh is not the decision-making authoritative controlling factor in the way we respond and live each and every single day we can't have it both ways you know there's just things in life you just simply can't have both ways I absolutely love the bread pudding dessert that Jen makes at Jay fires it is absolutely unbelievable you want to talk about having the real thing not being able to go anywhere else after that once you've had her bread pudding you'll never have bread pudding again I promise you it'll never taste the same I would love to have her bread pudding for dessert every single day after every single meal but I also care about my health and I want to stay in good shape and I don't want to get overweight and I want to be able to have energy so you can't have that both ways right my kids I have five daughters and from what I understand a wedding costs about $25,000 right now probably be about 50 whenever they get older then there's also college about a hundred thousand for four years of tuition at an average university they might have to have it one way or the other I'm just saying some things in life you just can't have both ways folks and Jesus is giving that message as clearly as he possibly can deny yourself and follow me lose your life and you'll gain it gain your life and you might lose it what does he mean by that he means that if we acquire and we set out to pursue and attract to ourselves and maintain and, and keep all of the things that the world is trying to offer us and tempt us with and we can accumulate all these things but if we pursue the world then we'll lose everything which Jesus is trying to give us and lead us into lose your life and you'll gain it gain your life in the world and you'll lose everything that God is trying to lead you into you just can't go both directions and you know the beauty of all this is that this isn't something that you walk out in your own strength it isn't something that you say okay he's right I need to do that and then you go out there and say okay I'm gonna do it now I'm gonna do it the whole idea of losing of denying when you study those words they are all accomplished by the power of the Spirit of God that actually works in and through us you see God's given you the the ability to withstand the enemy he's given you the ability to resist to deny and to lose the things of the world and it's because of his spirit in you and the power that works in you that you can as Paul said I die to myself daily 
It's a daily battle. Guaranteed. Today, tomorrow, the next day, some type of temptation will await you because you have a flesh and you live in a world. Period. It'll be there. But he says, I die to myself daily because the Spirit of God is working in us and is empowering us and strengthening us to be able to withstand his tactics, his schemes, and to know who we are as sons and daughters of Christ, our rightful identity, which is a place of authority, members of a kingdom, citizens of a heavenly kingdom that has subdued, overcome, and turned on in Satan's kingdom of this world, and it has no authority over us. It has no authority. When we walk in line with that authority, then any of those temptations and any of those things of this kingdom must bow their knee because they are the weaker kingdom and they have been conquered. But if we don't know that and they can manipulate us and deceive us and draw us in, they can gain a loyalty away from the kingdom that God has sent to die and and for us to be a part of. We can't let him distract our loyalty to the kingdom that we're serving. Now, I want to leave you with this. When he says, you can gain the whole, what is a prophet of man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Spent a lot of time thinking about this and just meditating. And it is amazing if you really think about it. If we, if someone lives for the world, that they truly can, in a sense, gain the whole world. They can gain everything that the manipulation and deception of what the world is trying to offer would bring. Fame, riches, pleasures, all of these kind of things. If someone sets out to serve the world, they can gain all that the world has to offer. And in the end, lose their whole soul and lose the battle for eternity. That is quite a sobering thought that we could, by the world's standards, achieve the highest level of accomplishment and accolade and gain it all. And in the same notion, lose everything that eternity has waiting for us. Is that a thought or what? In fact, if you know this, in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it talks about an individual that Satan will bring to power in the end times who's called the Antichrist. And it's in the, chap- it's in the 13th chapter And the way that it describes the Antichrist is that he will come to power. He will win the nations. He will subdue kingdoms. People who are not serving Christ will worship him. He will gain military authority. He will kill. He will destroy. And he will rule the empires of the world in the end days that are here before Jesus returns and wipes him out. He can actually, you see this picture where he literally gains the full world, the kingdom of the world. And then the moment that Jesus returns, when the clouds rip open and Christ is on his white horse and the angel sinks his sickle into the earth, says it's like the grapes that are spilled before on the soil of the, of the ground. Then in that moment, all of Satan's kingdom and the Antichrist himself are destroyed and brought to their end. And everything that they had gained is gone. Because it's like vapor. It's like sand. Anything that we could obtain in the world is really just something that we can't hold on to anyway. It's like sand slipping through our fingers. But there is something 
that is waiting us, that we can lay hold of, that is eternal, that's greater, and that will last forever. And it's that which Jesus Christ has died for us to obtain. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me today? Last point is this. When the Bible speaks about how the flesh and the spirit are contrary and always warring against one another, it's in Galatians chapter 5. And he also speaks about fruits of the spirit in this same discourse. And one of the fruits of the spirit, there are nine, is self-control. Now, first thing you have to understand is that a fruit of the Spirit is produced <coughs> by being joined to the source. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Abide in me. Stay connected. Stay in him. Seek him. Pursue him. And as the branches stay abiding in the vine, <coughs> healthy branches bear fruit. We can't force fruit. It is produced as an outflow of connection and relationship. And one of those fruits is self-control. Self-control, simply put, is a fruit that we need to withstand the temptations of the flesh and of the enemy that are lurking in our path every single day. And when you study that word self-control in the Greek, it means to have dominion within. The spirit must rule the flesh. If the spirit isn't engaged, if our spirit isn't the ruling authority, then the flesh will simply have its way in our life. It will pull at us and entangle us and ensnare us in all kinds of things that the world can get us caught up in. But when the spirit is strong and ruling and Christ is the one we serve. It's where our allegiance, our loyalty is to. We're willing, folks, to die for him if need be. That point of loyalty, serving God in his kingdom, then that whatever the things of this world that can try to tempt us and pull us away will lose their power, they'll lose their grip, and they'll lose so much of their tempting ability that they were once able to draw us away from the things of God with. And I pray today that for all of us here, is there something in your life, anything, that as, as you're hearing this word that the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to you about and saying, it's time to sever this thing. It's time to lay this thing down. It's time to deny yourself of this empty pleasure, of this empty pursuit in order to lay hold of something greater. And if so, I pray that you just, you just surrender entirely to him right now. Let him give you the strength to sustain you, to sever yourself, and to walk away from anything that this world has you caught up in living for. There's nothing that it can offer that will ever satisfy you for anything beyond a temporal nature. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask God that this moment right now, for those who are praying to you, 
are responding to any conviction or draw of your spirit for things that would need to be let go of, laid down, severed, and disconnected from. Any empty pursuits or worldly pursuits, God, that you would right now begin to bring the strength to sever and separate those things from our lives. God, I ask you to just give a deposit of joy in their spirit knowing that to live for you is the greatest thing that we could ever do. And walk out each and every day denying self, denying the flesh that we may live true and according to the plan that you have for us. Listen to me while every head is bowed and every eye is still closed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, you say, Pastor, I, I've never given my life to Jesus before. I've never made him Lord. If you were to die today, you're not sure where you'd be if you're right with God. I want to plead with you. I want to encourage you. You've got to get right with Jesus. This is the first step to any kind of life of victory. You've got to have His Holy Spirit. You've got to give your life to Christ. If that's you, and you want to give your life to Christ today, or if you're maybe in a situation where you had once walked with God, but you've been walking in a totally different path, and you've been living more in the world, succumbing to the temptations of the flesh and the world, they're just having their way with you, and you want to you want to get out of that. You want to get back to living for God. You want to get right with Him and you want to start walking down the path that He has for you. If either of those two situations are you, I want to pray with you. On the count of three, I'll ask you to raise your hand while every eye is still closed and every head is bowed. And I can see who you are and we will pray together. You say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come back to Him. One, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I see your hand, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hand down. Is there anyone else who said, Pastor, I need this prayer today. I need to get right with Christ. Yes, ma'am, I saw your hand. God bless you. I want to pray. And this is not about my prayer. This is not about the words. This is about the posture of your heart. It is one of surrender and receiving the grace that comes from the free gift that Jesus died, salvation for you to have. Father, in Jesus' name, I turn from my old life. I turn away from the world and I turn entirely to you. I want to live for you. I receive your son Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He died for me so that I could be saved and forgiven of my sin. Send your Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me, God. Help me to be strong and to walk out this life that you've created me for. Help me to withstand the temptations of the enemy that are lurking in my path. And God, help me to become all that I can be, that I may glorify you with all my heart and soul and mind, that my life may be lived to serve you and serve you alone. I draw a line in the sand today. No turning back. I am turning entirely to you. My life is in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Well, listen. Praise God. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, didn't mean to stop you.
You know, I know sometimes things like this can be kind of like tough things um, to hear and whatever, but like, we got to hear these things, right? I mean, we've got to know of what the enemy is trying to do to come against us. We've got to know that these, we've got to be wise to his schemes and his tactics. And there's a life of great fulfillment and purpose that's awaiting each and every one of us. And we can only step into it if we're willing to fully abandon living for the world. Because that which God has is far greater than anything that the world can.